0: Good morning. My name is Ray Montgomery, and I would like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And today we have a special guest with us, Mrs. Lisa Pace. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm
1: doing really well, Ray. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're very busy, very busy. So I appreciate you taking your time out of your day there. Talk to us about Bosma. It's my pleasure. All right. So, uh, Felisa, for all those who do not know, what is your uh, exact title here at Bosman Enterprises?
1: Certainly. So, my title is I am the Vice President of Marketing and Advocacy.
0: Okay. And how did you get really involved with Bosman Enterprises?
1: Sure. So, I had my first career in banking and finance. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, due to pretty significant vision loss um, with retinitis pigmentosa, I was no, no longer able to work. So I stayed home um, with my son. My husband had his own business and um, just was a housewife and, a, and not just, but was a housewife and, and a mother for about 10 years. And then some personal circumstances changed And I really wanted to try and get back to work, but Mm -hmm. having been out of the workforce for a very long time, wasn't sure how I could do about that. And as a youth, I was always able to volunteer, and that gave me an opportunity to sort of take the focus off of me and on something else. Plus, it also made me feel pretty confident about my skills. So in thinking about how I might re-enter the workforce, being a volunteer in an organization came to mind. I did a Google search and Bosnet enterprises was remarkably the second or third listing that came up. And it was an organization who served people who were blind. So uh, it really was a match made in heaven. I often think it was divine intervention. that I ended up here, but I actually started here as a volunteer to make a very long story short.
0: (laughs) I wanted to actually go back a little bit. So, um, how did you get that diagnosis?
1: Sure. So I was in my early twenties. Um, my son was you know maybe eighteen months old, mm-hmm. and I would be driving to work, and um, it would seem that things would pop almost out of nowhere when I was driving. It'd almost be startling. And so just thinking that I needed glasses i went to a vision center they tested my eyes and um the optometrist came back out and, and he said are you aware that you have retinitis pigmentosa and i said well no but obviously i'm here because i'm having some problems with my vision right and so i'll get a prescription for glasses. he's like no i don't think you understand i said don't understand what And he said this disease that you have is degenerative, and over your lifetime, you'll go blind. So it was a pretty unceremonious mm-hmm. um, diagnosis uh, and, and very, very unexpected. There was no family history, mm-hmm. so it took us a little bit uh, by surprise.
0: Have you ever heard of uh, retinitis pigmentosa before?
1: I had never heard of retinitis pigmentosa. Um, and in fact, had never met anyone who was blind. So right. this was all really, really new
0: territory. So you kind of were like the first person who was blind that you've ever met and had to deal, not like deal with, but how to find services and how to live with a visual impairment.
1: I absolutely knew of no one that had um, eyesight or vision loss that was more significant than them just needing
0: Glasses, near-sighted, well, far-sighted. So, yeah. Yeah. Far <laughs> so the yeah, no, it was yes. really
1: uncharted water.
0: Uncharted, well, you brought up a good point, I believe, like getting regular eye exams is something that we kind of fail. We don't really look at our eyes a lot sometimes. and We get, you know, check up for everything else, but our eyes are kind of the last thing that we actually go to the doctor about. So Yeah,
1: and I would but, say, you know, so early 20s, um my parents always made sure that we had good access to healthcare and that mm-hmm. we had our routine vision exams, so there was just really no sign of it mm-hmm. until my early 20s, or yeah, my early 20s. I think um, looking at people's eyes now has become so sophisticated, and they're able to maybe probably see things that they weren't mm-hmm. able to diagnose early when I was a kid, because I'm old, right?
0: No, no, but, <laughs> <laughs> but now with the RP or uh, retinitis pigmentosa, um, you, you are able, I mean, you are able to see. I so what is your vision like now?
1: Sure, so uh, my vision now, I can see if you would look through coffee stirrers, which are pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would look, try to look through a coffee stirrer, is about the vision that I have. So I have absolutely no peripheral vision. But I do have some healthy central vision. So I basically have pinpoints where I can see. um, But what I can see, I see well. So I'm very, very fortunate um, for that.
0: That's good. That's good. So after you got that diagnosis and now you are still working, correct? I am. Okay. So how long did you stay working until you knew that you couldn't uh, perform at your job at at that time.
1: Yeah, I would say that um, I worked maybe ten to twelve years after my diagnosis because again, this is a progressive disease. Yes. So, not necessarily at the time that you're diagnosed, do you actually know that you have experienced significant vision loss? It sort of leaves a little bit at a time. So, I would right. say you know ten to twelve years. It got so bad that I could absolutely no longer drive. I had been in a series of car accidents, um, the last of which was pretty significant. And so, sort of hung up my keys was the first thing, took public transportation for a while. But in banking, um, this was pretty really understanding assistive technology could be so helpful. I mean, not really knowing what resources were available. Um, Just decided that it was probably best that I leave that career behind.
0: And then after that, you kind of just sat down for a while until you began to begin volunteering at Boswell Enterprises.
1: You know, I volunteered at my son's school, um, helped my husband with his business in so much as I could. But I, I will tell you, Ray, that. I probably didn't realize how wired I was to work when I was working. And as I left that first career, um, even though staying home and raising my son was very rewarding, um, I was somebody who needed to have a career. And when I didn't have that anymore and when I didn't have that network of people that I interacted with, And as I lost my vision and was less able to get out because I didn't drive anymore, I really became very, very isolated. And I would suggest very, very depressed and and probably didn't even know it was happening until I got to the point where I looked to Bosma and looked to see if there was not a way that I could re-enter the workforce and sort of get back into the group again
0: did you feel like you were like a shell of your former self that you couldn't uh, do the same things you once did and kind of lost your purpose a little bit?
1: I will, I would say more than a little bit. Mm -hmm. I would say I absolutely, um, was a shell of who I was. So I would, had always been pretty vibrant, Mm -hmm. pretty outgoing, and again, really wired to work. Um, career has, has been a driving force in my life and, uh, I didn't have that anymore. I didn't know who I was. It was a lot of my identity, and uh, it was a real struggle for me, and um, yeah, coming to Bosma Enterprises as a volunteer, when when people say that they met me that first, you know, week or two that I came here to volunteer, um, I didn't even recognize it, but had been told that sort of my head was down, I wore dark clothes, I was very quiet. And uh, I think they wonder who that person was now because right. quite the opposite of that I know where I am now. So
0: right. that's a that's a trick in the blind community, Lisa. We like to wear dark clothes and I think they match whatever. Well I think mean, so. No, but never no. never maybe
1: in black because that, that no. is just asking for problems. Yes so. it
0: is. Yes it is. We don't want to do that. So uh, how did it affect your your son? Did he um, treat you any differently? Did he understand what you were dealing with at that time?
1: I think the most significant thing for him early on was when I stopped driving um, because, uh, you know, obviously he was always used to having the same independence that I had because I drove. And so then we were kind of both reliant on dad to get us to where we needed to go. Um, I also didn't live in an area where I had a lot of access to public transportation. So we were sort of disconnected from being able to go as we always had. So I would say that was probably the start of him knowing um, that something had changed. Um, But of course, as as I sort of became what you call the shell and and became more depressed, that certainly had impact on my family. And uh, so I, I... What I love about being in marketing now at Bosma Enterprises and what I feel a true responsibility for is I want to make sure that no family who's getting a, a diagnosis of blindness ever sort of has to go through that hard learning curve that my family had to because there are absolutely resources that will... And it sounds so contrite and it sounds so I don't know but you really can do everything you did before you just have to do it differently and and you don't know how to do it differently unless somebody right. teaches you so I'm so very passionate that no other family has to again sort of go through that hard learning that yeah. we went through
0: that, that's good that's a good um, good lesson um, to tell everybody because you don't want to do it alone, and resources are available out there for assistance. So definitely got to know uh, where to turn. So now that you were a Bosman Enterprise, and now you were a volunteer, uh, how did that change your perspective of people who are blind or visually impaired?
1: Wow. So I remember coming on a tour, and first of all, I was just so amazed that they would even let somebody who was blind um, volunteer at an organization. And... Uh, but obviously, and when I spoke with the person that answered the phone, I said, "Well, I just want to let you know that I, I don't see very well, and and will and will you have a volunteer that you know? And I'm not even sure how I can help, but mm-hmm. uh, and they sort of laughed and said, "Well, you know, we're an organization with people who are blind. You need to come <laughs> on in and, and see what we do here." And I and I did. Yeah. I came here and I went on a tour, and I was introduced to dozens of people who were blind or had vision loss and they were just living their lives and having never been exposed to somebody who was blind before it was just so eye-opening to see that they were educated and they had meaningful jobs and they had families that they were raising and they were doing it much like somebody who was sighted And, and it was It was beyond anything I could have imagined sitting in my home alone. So um, you really have to come here and see it in action to understand what just a magical place it is here at Bosma. Um, Yeah.
0: It is. It is very inspiring once you come through those doors and you see people working and just living just like everyone else. So now you are vice president of the market and advocacy. I am. So what did that uh, entail?
1: First of all, I'm responsible for all of Bosma Enterprises paid and earned media efforts. So Mm -hmm. that means a lot of things. Um, I have a remarkable team that's responsible for all of our social media assets, as well as our website platform. And then we work with a marketing agency to develop the commercials that people see on TV as well as um, deploying public relations efforts to make sure, again, that people who are in need of our services are aware of what's available, but also that um, policymakers who make decisions that impact um, how people who have disabilities live and uh, the general public who supports us through donations know about the good work being done here at Bosma. So that's sort of one aspect of my uh, job here. I also, um, in March, took over our customer service department. So we have a, a great team there that makes sure that our customers are being well served And then another important part of my job is um, advocacy. So it's working with state and national legislators so that they, again, know about the issues impacting people who are blind uh, and, more importantly, um, people who have disabilities as a whole.
0: Okay. You do a lot, Lisa. You do a (laughs) lot, Lisa. You do a lot.
1: But you know what? I'm absolutely passionate about everything I do and and when you're passionate about your work it doesn't much seem like work so i really have found my niche here um and i look forward to i think you know ray as uh, yes. you're on on my team um it's hard for me to take a day off work because i am just so passionate about what we do here and i and i love what i do and i'm surrounded by a, a great team
0: let's switch gears for a little bit i got, uh... Question I just ask people that come on the podcast just to lighten the mood up a little bit. Sure. What was your What was your um, first job?
1: My first job, I worked at the Hi Ho Tavern as a dishwasher when I was probably not old enough to really work. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I grew up in a little tiny town called Poe, Indiana, hundred people, and there was literally the one two businesses there was a the gas station on the corner and this this little tavern and my best friend got a job there as a cook and i thought that that was just the most interesting and coolest job somebody could have and she was making you know a buck an hour and uh she got me in as a dishwasher so yep probably 14 dishwasher high-ho tavern
0: All right. (laughs) You know, you sound like me. I was washing dishes in high school as well. So I was scrubbing just to make a dollar, Lisa. (laughs) Yeah, yep. Last question, Lisa. What would you say to someone, uh, particularly mothers who just received that diagnosis, um, what would you tell them um, just to give them some words of encouragement?
1: What I would say is that I cite doesn't make a person whether you have it or you don't have it so I think sort of overcoming that first um, but also knowing that um, you really don't have to go at this alone. There are resources and the sooner that you reach out and receive those resources or receive some training, the sooner that you can get back to an independent life Um, as I said earlier I went 10 years without resources and uh, I think maybe my pathway although it's ended up okay it was a hard learning curve and I think that that could have been avoided had I known where to go and what to do earlier in the process so uh, I would just say um, reach out to an organization like Abosma or another organization in your area who has services for people who are blind because what you'll find is uh, life does not have to change dramatically. You'll just need to find different ways to do the things you always do.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I definitely appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule today to come on the Navigating Blindness podcast. And I definitely want to thank you and stay tuned and we'll be back next week. Well, I
1: appreciate um, all of the work that you do, Ray, and for having this great idea to have the podcast. I think it's bringing great information to people. So
0: thank you. I want to thank you today for coming on the Navigating Blindness podcast. And if you know anyone suffering from vision loss, please visit Bosma.org and make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and liking us on SoundCloud.